Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Warning. 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 Trigger alert. She about to say some real shit. <laughs> Chilly January. Welcome to 2019, people. It is real over here. We are going to get deep today. I am interviewing a dear friend of mine, Nicholas Heller, otherwise known as New York Nico. They say he is an Instagram sensation. I think he's just a sensation, period. The reason why I love young Nico, which nobody calls him, everybody calls him Nick. I love Nico because Nico loves New York. Nico loves street culture. Nico loves the extraordinary in the ordinary. He loves performers, individuals, people that march to their own beat. His Instagram is filled with shenanigans going on all over town in the streets of downtown Manhattan. I'm sure it's all over Manhattan, but I think he's mostly uh, a little bit below Midtown. A young man born and raised in Manhattan, someone who felt Union Square was his home away from home, still his mine for talent. He puts his lens on people that deserve it, that are asking for it, that the average New Yorker just walks right by and doesn't even notice. All of a sudden, you're watching a small film by Nick, and you're like, wow, I've walked by that guy a thousand times, and I never noticed that he's such a great singer or that he's so deep and he wants to help people. He really is a sensitive, kind person and someone who loves New York so much and still thinks it has all the weirdness and underbelly that it once had. You just have to look for it a little bit more. This interview went in a completely different direction than I had originally thought that it would. I thought we were going to talk about growing up in Manhattan at a particular time in the in the early 2000s and sort of watching all these different subcultures become popular and talking about mutual friends and shared experiences. And we did a little bit, but in a more serious tone than uh, I had uh, anticipated. Nick wanted to talk about mental health and about the shame that some people have with dealing with issues having to do with mental health. 
I applaud that. We need to explore this as a community, as a culture, the fact that we do not give people the room, the chances. We don't have the patience to deal with mental health issues in a productive way. And we need to, or we're going to be in trouble as a planet if we don't get serious about this. And let's not go on any longer and just jump right into our interview with New York Nico. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I mean, I've been, I've been dealing with uh, OCD since I was like 10. Okay. You, do, you don't think you had it before? OCD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... You know, it's the neurotic New York Jew in, in me. Right. Um, you know, I've always had worries, like, my whole life. About what? What started out, when I was diagnosed with OCD, I was, like, 10 or 11. And it was because I had, like, these irrational fears. Okay. Um, such as? Such as, well, I went through, like, the the cliche OCD things like not being able to step on cracks and like washing your hands and uh, random shit like that. You have a very neat room? Very neat room. Mm. Would would vacuum every day. Really? Yeah. Um, and in my head, I'm thinking, if I don't do this, then something bad's going to happen. And so was it also like ritualistic OCD? You know how like... Super ritualistic. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So if you miss something in your everyday ritual, it would fuck you up. Yes. Okay. And I guess my parents were like, what's going on with Nick? Like, you know. Only child? Only child. Okay. Parents, mama and dad is daddy's boy. Uh Uh-huh. So they were obviously very concerned. So they sent me to a therapist. You know, I was diagnosed with OCD and I just kind of dealt with it for a while. Obviously going to therapy was helpful. Um, but it was something that I just needed to to deal with. Um, Did they want to put you on meds? Yes. I've I've been on meds my as long as I can remember. Okay. Um I don't know if it started that early, but since I was like at least since I was 13 or 14 I've been on medication. Okay. It started with uh medication for uh OCD, depression. Okay. Um and currently I'm taking it for anxiety. Okay. But yes, yeah, so it started with OCD and I was seeing a therapist and uh that kind of turned into just you know, anxiety with hints of OCD. So anxiety from being obsessive compulsive. So okay. You know, so what were you? What? Let's just delve a little deeper. What? I can't were believe you, we're doing this. By the way, no, no, this, no, 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 no. <laughs> Therapy morning, with Doctor Claw. Come no, on. No, no. But seriously, like, just to give some context to the people at home, um, I had a, a panic attack on my way over here, and it's something that that I get often. 
most people wouldn't know it because I hide it really well. You do. But it's something that like plagues me and causes me to suffer and it sucks. So when you're busy hiding Mm -hmm. your anxiety Mm -hmm. or your your panic attack – what are you telling yourself? Are you like, get it together? Con- like, are you regulating your emotions so, in, in a good way? Or yeah, yeah, are yeah. you I like mean, p- stuffing your feelings down in a bad way? So it's it's hard. When you have anxiety with OCD, it's really hard to put your mind onto something more pleasant, you know? Mm-hmm. You can never tell someone with OCD who also has anxiety just like, oh, don't think about it. Like, think about something more positive because – my mind is always going to like the most negative thoughts possible. So what are you doing if you feel like this and you have another activity, whether it's work, doing my podcast or like what do you do to sort of manage and like get through it? Honestly, it's it's just something that takes time. Um, you know, I try to remind myself that these are just thoughts. They're not real. And, you know, like I said before we we got on the air, it comes out of nowhere. Like today, literally everything in my life is great. Like nothing. I have an amazing girlfriend, amazing job, you know. Great friends. Going to hang out with club fucking money. But it just like snuck up on me when I was in the car and I was just like, fuck. And so what what did you feel? You feel feel total – like tightness right no no just like discomfort like it's a discomfort that you can't really explain just like is it a tingliness on your whole body yes like the feeling that you're gonna you know collapse or pass out just like racing thoughts just honestly there's there's no real way to explain it other than just like total discomfort and um, and and, and fear does deep breathing help you i mean that's what i do because Uh that's what i'm told to do right but because um, it physiologically changes totally getting but, all that oxygen and, and, and sometimes it makes me feel like more lightheaded of and then, course it does. then my mind races to oh shit am I going to pass out like am I not going to make it to Claw's podcast like blah 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 but you know it's it's been something that um, I, I this is this is a very long story so I'm going to try to to give you context in the most succinct way possible so in college where did you go to college? I went to college at Emerson College uh, for film. In college is when the anxiety got really bad. I started like feeling physical sensations from the anxiety, and I thought they were physical problems with me. So uh-huh. I went to see all these doctors, and basically I was, I was feeling this lightheadedness uh-huh. constantly. And I didn't put two and two together that it was stemming from my anxiety. I thought that I was having anxiety because of this lightheadedness. Ah. But in reality, it was kind of the other way around. Right. So I went to see all these doctors. No one knew what it was. And then finally, uh, like when I graduated college, I kind of realized that it was anxiety. And then once I made that realization, it kind of went away, which hmm. was nice. So, you know, right after college, I did a year in New York where I was making music videos at the time. And things were going pretty well. And then I decided to move to L.A. because, you know, I wanted to you. I wanted to be a, a music video director okay. and thought that that was the, the next step. So I went to, to L.A. and it was just awful. Um, you know, I had to share a room with a kid, with, who I, with a kid I didn't know. I didn't have a driver's license. It was before Uber. Uh, I wasn't booking work. So I was just 
anxious 24-7. It was like the lowest point of my life. Like, So were you like, oh, my God, I don't have enough money to eat. I don't have enough money like to pay that, my rent? It wasn't like that because realistically, like, you know, I'm – I'm from an upper middle class family. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm an only child. They're right, gonna, right. If worse came if to worse, worse came to, right. to worse, they would take care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I always kept in my back pocket because I never want to be that guy. Right, but um, but it's uh, but it you your bottom would not yeah be. But it was it was more about being at this age, you know, right after college, where you're kind of expected to to know what you want to do with your life. The fact that I was this age and and. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't the success that I wanted to be. You guys put so much pressure on yourself, you New York boys. I know. You know, you young downtown go-getters that I've known so many of you, like, growing up, Mm. and now you guys are, you know, uh, have these great careers, and, but your sort of group that you over, like, young overachievers that I think it's very dangerous because it's almost like you guys peak really young. No, it's and then totally. you kind of can't sort of maintain that through. So I think it's a weird blessing in disguise yeah. to fuck up after college and yeah. fuck around for a few years totally. before you find your... Okay, anyway. Yeah, l- I mean, just a, just, yeah no, you're right. You're yeah. right. Like I put a ton of pressure on myself. Um, I mean, hanging out with like Bo Wollens and Greg <laughs> Passantino, like it's... Yeah. A difficult, like, oh, look at these these kids are fucking stars at sixteen, yeah, you know? Totally. Um, and that's kind of who I kept comparing myself to. Like when I was in LA, was these kids in New York who sure. were twenty three, tw- you know, whatever, and they're crushing it. And here I was in this unfamiliar city, you know, went out there to kind of continue doing what I loved and try to make it as like the next type Williams, and I was failing. Um, so that put a lot of stress on me and, and, um, the anxiety got really, really bad. But you didn't even say to yourself, like, God, nobody pays for fucking music videos anymore. And like, this is, well, that was uh, the thing. It was like, if I can't do music videos, what can I do? Huh? Um, cause I, I was never good at anything else and I'd never explored any other genres of film. So at the time I was like, oh, I'm either going to be a music video director or I'm going to work at you know, Denny's or something. And even okay. that I wouldn't be good at. So I bet it, you make a mean hash brown. You no. just look like a potato fryer. I, kind of guy. I, the only other real job I had was as a waiter. Um, and I got that job through nepotism because my mom knew the owner, but they should have fired me after day one. I was awful. Really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so LA. Okay. Just, so you were in LA, in LA, you were miserable, miserable, and you started have, and then you realized that you had this anxiety. Okay. Now what? Yeah. Um, so eventually I, I had to move back to New York because LA just wasn't cutting it for me. So I moved back to New York after six months. I was not only anxious, but I was depressed because, you know, I didn't achieve what I set out to achieve. And I was back living with my parents. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and then after like a few months, um, you know, I was still going through the anxiety. I was still going through the the depression. So I was sitting, uh, in Union Square, which is where I was born and raised. Um, in actual, your mom birthed you? Yes, pretty much. She was feeding squirrels and (laughs) giving birth. I liked, I hope, I hope that I was conceived in Union Square, but I definitely wasn't. And I probably shouldn't (laughs) hope that I was conceived in Union Square. But yeah, so I was sitting in Union Square, like literally just thinking about what my next move was. Like, what am I going to do? What year is this? This was six years ago. Okay. Uh, 2013. So 
five or six years ago. Okay. Um, and I, while I was sitting there thinking about my next move, I saw Ted Avon, the six foot seven freestyling Jew, uh-huh. walking around with his big sign that says, Ted, uh, the six foot seven Jew will freestyle rap for you. And you were like, I got to make was, your music video. Well, I was, no. <laughs> I was like. You're like, listen, dude, okay? I'd seen this guy around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd never spoken to him because I was generally like a shy person growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my anxieties, it was kind of hard to just like go up to approach people and just start talking. Um, but I used this super low point in my life as an opportunity to go and speak to him. To my surprise, he was, you know, super down to chat. Like I thought of him as this street celebrity. Okay. Because I'd seen him everywhere. So I assumed that, you know, right, he didn't as have a street any, celebrity, right, he, didn't he didn't have, have any, any time, time for me. For you, right. But we ended up walking around the city for two hours and I had the idea after um, us, our, our walk and talk to make a documentary about him. And I'd never made a documentary before. So I was like, oh shit, maybe this is like my next thing. So I made the documentary about him and that turned into a series of documentaries on New York street characters called Know Your City and Oh Your City. And that turned into a love for documentary filmmaking. And like around this time, the anxiety and depression and the physical symptoms of anxiety um, started to subside. And I started like putting value in myself, okay. which I hadn't done before. Like when, when I was first started doing music videos, I felt great about myself, but it was because I was like super young and like, you know, it was around the time that DSLRs came out. So, uh-huh. you know, people were kind of making music videos on their own with no budget. But yeah, I started feeling like really good about myself and like I was on the right track. And, you know, that turned into a a career. I started making branded content, commercials, stuff like that, which is what paid the bills. And then I started doing the Instagram kind of just as like a a passion project on the side. So it's weird because they call you like an Instagram, like an Instagram superstar, you're so much more than that. Yeah. And I feel like it's very, like, limiting, but it also, it's a great way to spread your message and have totally. your work be seen. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to keep the two things separate. You know, I don't really advertise my commercial services on my Instagram. The Instagram's always kind of been meant to uplift other people and kind of keep myself sane. Yeah, I, you know, I never expected it to to become what it is today. So do you think that your identity or your even the way you see yourself has to be for you through your work? And I think, like, maybe that's, you know, if you're busy, then you're feeling good. But if you're not busy, all of a sudden you're now devaluing yourself but there's more to you than just the work it's it's complex because yes you're right like you know i do put a, a lot of value in the in the in myself in the work that i'm doing but that's not to say if you know i'm working on something that is dope and is you know i'm making a lot of money off of i'm still feeling anxious because you know, it's this big project and there's right. a lot do you on the feel line like, there. Right. Do you so, feel like a lot of pressure like that or yeah. do you always feel like, oh, I got this? I mean, so – There's phases, There's right? kind of there's a, li- a jump in time between when I start – when I got back to New York and, you know, I was feeling great um, until now. So, you know, the past five years have been awesome for me career-wise. You know, I'm, I shoot commercials. Um, 
you know, I, I have my own uh, production company, like things. Podcast too. Podcast. And then I have the Instagram, which is great because it makes people happy and it makes me happy and it helps uplift people. Right. And, and you're giving light to, exactly. uh, to so, a lot of people that, so that are things, taken for granted. Things have been going really, really well. Um, but in the past, you know, I would say in the past year, maybe less than a year, that anxiety that I was feeling in LA has started to come back. And there's no real reason for it that I can see because things are going so well. You know, when I was in LA and I was really going through it, it was because, you know, I was really unhappy. Um, you know, I was in this unfamiliar place. I didn't know what I was you know, going to do with my life. So the fact that I had bad anxiety then made sense. And, you know, like I said before, I've never really been public about my anxiety. Um, you know, I posted something on Facebook like two years ago to my friends. Because you, my... like me, have a, just a Facebook just for your friends exactly. and family. I know. Um, They're like, why do you only have 300 friends? I'm like, because those are actually like my friends, <laughs> my real friends, not but, my, uh, you know, yeah, my fake friends. I, it... I mean, I love you all. <laughs> But it was it was two years ago on my birthday, so it was like two years ago today, and it was like m my best year because uh, you know I was doing great work and I was just really happy. So I did this like very like mushy post about you know how I used to have anxiety and you know it was debilitating and you know it gets better, you know that type of thing. Okay. Um, and if anyone wants to talk to me about it, they can talk to me about it. And I had like a lot of friends reach out to me about it and felt great, but. You know, and I thought at that point that it was gone, you know, okay. that, that it was gone forever, that I've, I, you know, learned my, I, I learned more about myself so that I could handle anxiety. But then sure enough, it comes back and it sucks. But I so also. So you don't have a clear uh, pinpointed trigger. There's not something that no. like happens that like makes you feel, you don't know exactly no, what it is. It, it kind of just comes out of nowhere. Are you slow now with work because of the holidays? Is, um, do you think that maybe like you're not being like entrenched in something? No, because I am, I am entrenched in something. Okay. I'm doing pre-production on a, on a big commercial, but honestly, like it's just, it's, when you have OCD, like it plagues it just, you, yeah, right. it, it can come out of nowhere, um, and it it sucks. But you know, the thing that I'm fortunate about is like I can mask it, which sucks. Like you know, when I'm with people or when I'm shooting, like one of the main reasons why I never talk about this publicly is not what other people will think about me because honestly I don't care like sure. I know I know everyone deals with this and I know if anything talking about this um, will make other people feel and safer to right. talk about and it and destigmatize right. it cuz that's right. you know we'll get to that later but that's the most important thing um, but the biggest fear I had was like losing jobs cuz I don't want clients to like hear this you know google me because of a, a commercial that I'm up for and then google this podcast and then be like oh shit like Nick has cr bad anxiety like I don't know if we want to hire him which sucks. I mean, doesn't everyone in this industry have bad anxiety? That's the thing. I mean, the thing is, is like, 
So if any clients are, are listening to this, just know that I can mask it and do just as good work as if, when I don't have anxiety, if not better, but it's just, it's painful for me. Like I suffer, I'll suffer through it. Um, listen, but I will no still... corporations listen to this, okay? <laughs> Get it. But no, this, it's, is just, this is just for the real, the real motherfuckers. Like there, there have been clients in the past, um, you know, I've been up for big commercials and they'll do their research and like see interview that, interviews that I've done in the past where like I say – Anything from, you know, I hate working with actors to I can't remember anything else offhand, but that was one thing that cost me a job. Like I said, I didn't like working with actors. Um, yeah, like that was just that day. I just yeah. felt like that that day because that's how I feel, too. Like I'll say some shit, but I don't necessarily like mean it or it's like a, like the, my real like yeah. ethos. But totally. yes, it, that's the problem with the yeah. goddamn internet. Yeah. It doesn't go away. But the thing is, like, you know, I'm. it's never going to keep me from doing good work. It's just that it, it causes me to suffer on the inside. And, you know, masking it, I don't think, makes it any better. Have you seen these commercials with Michael Phelps? No. So Michael Phelps is doing commercials about talk therapy and how he has anxiety mm. and some inner demons that and he's talking about you know this this it's an app of course a therapy app yeah which i think i think is great you know here is an, an olympic athlete a pot smoker um just sort of like a regular a regular dude just hey i need therapy yeah. you know you would be like oh this guy's on top of the no, world I what mean, why would he need therapy? everybody needs therapy it's definitely becoming less stigmatized which i think is good like two years ago i never would have come on a podcast talking about this honestly i, I never even expected to to talk about this publicly before today but when i was in the uber over it was just like it's crazy how this how this you know how this happens. And I know, I know I'm not the only one. No, um, so, you know, if, if there's anything that I can do with my, like I said, if, you know, the, the, my platform is meant to like uplift people and make people happy or whatever. So, you know, if there are followers of mine listening to this, I'm sure that, you know, they deal with some sort of anxiety in some form or fashion or OCD or depression or, no, some, or, whatever. or have, so or have people close. I to hope them. that this, um, helps helps them in in some way um you know i'm not an expert you know i see a therapist but it's hard for me to like regurgitate their messages but if anything i hope that me talking about it um kind of destigmatizes it my husband's a therapist no shit yeah really yeah oh wow so we're all constantly talking about stuff and yeah. um we're all all about it, about it. Mm. So no, but it would. I mean, honestly, I think it would be a lot easier for people with these disorders if they didn't have to mask it. Like, if they could just be like, "I need a second. Like, I'm having a panic attack. You know, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not going to collapse or die or anything. Just like, give me a second. You know, like if say I came on this podcast okay. and I, I never, I never mentioned to you that I had a panic attack on my way over here uh -huh. and I just like was going through it. We would have, you know, conversed. You probably would be able to tell that something. I'd was be up like, why? Right? Why is he? Why is there like a wall up? If we weren't, if we weren't addressing, if we didn't take this entire podcast to just address uh, mental illness, mm -hmm. and I wanted to just like 
be the the bubbly kind of bubbly. I've never referred to you myself are, as bubbly. Why you are? But whatever you know, the 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 happy the, N- the, New York the, Nico. Yes, the New York Nico. That if, um, if I could have just like you know talked to you normally and then maybe asked asked uh, Jose to turn the mics off and be like, yo, I just need a second. Like I'm having a little you know mental moment. moment. Right. Uh-huh. Can you can you forgive me? I mean, I'm sure that with you that would have been fine, but. Uh, for most people, they might be kind of Barbara just like, Walters would have thrown you right the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. Get out of here, dude. But that would be. Does she and, have a podcast, Barbara no. Walters? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, I'm having I'm having trouble articulating this just because you're trying this is, to say that you worry that if it wasn't somebody who's uh, your friend right. or someone who loves you and is you know all accepting of you that that it might have been a different. Um, but wouldn't it be great whether it's anxiety or anything, anything that 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 plagues you. You know, everyone has something that plagues them. If you could just tell somebody, you know, whether it be a client or, you know, a date, like someone you're going on a date with, pardon me, you know, I'm kind of having a moment right now. Can you excuse me? And then just like, you know, take some time to yourself, breathe, whatever you got to do. They know that, you know, you're going through it. So maybe they'll treat you with a little extra love and care. But then you come back and then things are fine. Does that make sense? Take a moment, everybody. No, but seriously, doesn't that does that make sense? Yeah, because I mean, I don't get panic attacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely get nervous at yeah. time, and I can have I can be anxious. But I have other things that ail me that I need. Totally, I I, I have my period. Once totally, a I was like, going to say women's issues. Right. Like, so, uh, like, excuse me, I'm you know having cramps and a, a, like a blood ball. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't having, it be, I'm passing a blood ball. Wouldn't it be great right if you now. could just? Wouldn't it be great if you could just say that to to? But you can't. I mean, I, well, I wish. Can I wish we change that? Yeah. Okay. We are talking about mental illness and periods. Okay. Let's start with that, and then we can change the world. I'm serious, though. Right? I am serious too. I'm 100 percent serious. Because I, I feel like knowing you, you would be comfortable telling somebody that because you wouldn't be embarrassed, right? But it's more about. It depends, though, because yeah, in in uh. In a group of people that I feel loved and accepted in, even if I don't know them, but I feel that sort of vibe, mm-hmm. I would be able to say anything. But if I was with a client and I could, you know, uh, no, I couldn't say that would be considered extremely unprofessional, right? Like, we <laughs> don't want to know about any of your physical problems right. or you being a woman having to deal with this every month. That Like, you can't be that. You are a fucking machine to do work you know it's a weird thing that's sort of going on with like the corporatization of our culture right where you know no harassment policies and none no that but you can't be really human Mm -hmm. in other aspects it's it's very unfair and people um are very judged based on their problems totally and it sucks yeah I, I really don't know anybody who doesn't have a problem totally, or two. Totally. I mean, we're built for this. Yeah. yeah. And we're built for pain think, and suffering. I think the worst thing that, that people can tell you to be is like a warrior. Like, you know, like uh, people with I was I was talking to my friend Amina Tao. Do you know Amina Tao so? I don't know anybody. She's you a, know she's you a will. podcaster. She's okay. awesome. But I was talking to her and she said she just um she's going through cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. 
she says that the worst thing people can tell her is like, be a warrior, you know, be strong. Like, why the fuck does she need to be a warrior and strong? Like, she's dealing with cancer. Like, because, why does she have to, you know, right, let her do whatever the fuck aggr- she wants to do to make herself feel right, better? Aggressiveness is, uh, is, is something that uh, America respects. Yeah. Aggression. We live in such a violent country. Totally. So, of course, anything, you know, you're, you got to fight it. And, yeah, sometimes you just want to feel it and yeah. sit with it. Do and, it. Do it at your own pace. Right. You know? I'll, um, I'll tell you something. A interesting concept. I it, it kind of blew my mind. I was giving a talk at a feminist bookstore about this book on women in graffiti. It's not a, a beautiful book picture book. It's an academic uh, written by a PhD. A friend of mine, uh, Dr. Jessica Cologne-Pabone, what's up? My homegirl. And some some of it I completely agree with. Some of it I don't agree with at all. And she welcomes that dissertation at her things that I, I can talk about, you know, the things I agree with, the things I disagree with. One of the wom- women in the audience said, why do I have to be tough? Why do I have to and I'm like, well, if you want to fucking be in graffiti and deal with all these dudes, you have to. And I was like, oh, why doesn't she want to be tough? Like afterwards, I was yeah. like, what What does she – like she wants to be like passive about – like I didn't understand that. Yeah. But I thought about it a lot and I was like, yeah, why does she have to fucking deal with – you know the patriarchy on right. the, on that level. Why can't she just be like more gentle? And she doesn't want to fight about it, and she doesn't want to have to yell and scream for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to yell and scream? Because yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. Anyway, it's sort of the same thing that your friend is saying. And why do you have to be so tough right. and a fighter all the time? It's exhausting. Totally. Let's all think of how we can use peace to sort of. Get the answer that totally. that we need uh, within ourselves. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I just I also just went to a wake, and the wife of or the the widow of the deceased uh, was telling me how everyone's like telling her to be strong. Like, wh- why does she have to be strong? Her fucking husband just died. But it's just I get it's it. Weird. Like it's something like, you people, say. I've yeah, said it before. Yeah, I say yeah, I still say it. I still try to convince myself to to you know, be strong and to be a warrior when I'm like going through these. It's expected of you as a, as a, as a, especially as a male, like you're expected to, to show no vulnerability and there's, you know, absolutely no time for like emotional consideration. You need to do, you need Mm -hmm. to go forward. You need to forge ahead. Yeah. And, um, you know, these are some of the problems that women are having with men. Totally. Is that, you know, why why do you have to use sheer force? Right. Why can't we just... We need more male softies. We need more male softies. Right? More sensitive men. Yeah, you go. I'm 100% all about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're right. Having feelings and talking about feelings and sharing feelings are important. Yeah. For, I mean, I grew up like... Stop crying and shut up and get over here. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to my mom. Hey. <laughs> and RIP my dad. But, you know, whatever. They uh, they made me sort of 
feel like being emotional was a weakness. And and I still feel like that, yeah. even though I don't want to. Mm-hmm. But even within myself, I'm like, oh, I'm emotional. I, I was in a business meeting yeah. recently with a non-partner oh, for no. one of my businesses. Oh. No, no, shout out to me. Shout out to okay, me. Okay. But anyway, I was shredding them to bits okay. in this meeting. And they were sinking down in their seats like fuck. And I felt like I this like ball in my throat, like I was going to cry. And I was like, get it together, Claudia, you're in a fucking business meeting. But it's my brand and it's so personal to me. And I felt so upset. And I really had to like kind of like dig my nail into my thigh so I wouldn't cry it, it it was stifling to me. Yeah. Like, I was like, you know, God, if I cry, I fucking lose. I'm losing. But I wanted to. Like, my uh, – it, it wasn't even, uh, you know, like a conscious decision. Like, hey, I want to cry. I'll feel better. But, like, my soul wanted to fucking release the pain I was having, the emotional pain I was having in, in that way. I'm glad I, I didn't because – in theory, I appeared to be victorious by controlling my emotions in that way, though it felt very bad sure. inside. You still would have been victorious if you cried. No, I would have. I would have looked weak. I would have looked weak. I would have looked weak. You're right. I would have. Lo- you would have, but w- why? Why would you have looked weak for showing emotion, showing that you really were passionate about this? And then I cared, and then it was sad, and then it was like it was a sad breakup because, you know, sort of in business, it's it's a a weird marriage, right? And uh, and it was sort of like the death of the of the marriage, and and, you know, and even though everybody knew, everyone there should have been crying. Maybe I don't know the situation. I mean, yes, and and. I hope they were. Yeah. <laughs> That's did you, the mean did you, bit to me. Did you at least let out a good cry afterwards? No. Afterwards, I um, walked outside and I called my husband and I was like, I'm free. I feel I feel good. But, you know, I thought I, I was, you know, I seemed really angry before I went to this meeting and I was like, let me at them. Yeah. Like, I'm going to fucking mince, mince them. Minced all these men. I can't fucking wait. Yeah. Line by line, we went through this thing. I was like, what is this? Why is that? You know what I mean? And I was like, this is bullshit. Like, and I was demonstrating all of these sort of what I would call like dominant. I'm not going to call it like a gender, like be gender specific, but like dominant, like business practices. And it didn't really make me feel good in, in, in my heart. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was also weirdly, like, proud of myself at the time for not crying. Mm-hmm. I was proud of myself because I was like, damn, I would have really, like, fucked up my my whole sort of – but, again, it's it, it was um, – I'm not going to say it's, like, a phony, but it, it did feel phony because it was – I wasn't – real with how I really felt because yes I turned it around to be positive yes I listen we're not good partners I I wish you guys the best I wish you success like 
it turned around into, um, you know, like a nice parting instead of parting on right. bad terms. But and maybe that's what I was proud of myself is that that it wasn't an ugly, disgusting, um, destructive breakup. I don't know. It was a, it was a confusing thing, but I was uh, I really had to watch myself to right. not let the tears come out. Yeah, and. I think how can we sort of change the attitude of letting your feelings out? I guess or... just talk about it more. You know, right? It's unfortunate that it has to be Kanye, but you know, obviously he kind of brought up mental illness and bipolar disorder and stuff like that, and has raised awareness surrounding his mental issues. You know, who am I to say he's doing it in the wrong way? But I feel like more people are talking about it now. You know what I really wanted to talk to you about? What's that? I wanted to talk to you about growing up in New York City. Oh, okay. <laughs> now now that I've settled down. Now yeah. that you settled down and you feel yeah. a little bit more relaxed, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we talked about it. Because, because I didn't we talked about it. And you didn't have up. to bottle it up and like push it down yeah. and make yourself feel like a weirdo. Yeah. With no one who understands you and you're just sort of this, like, pillar of suffering. Mm-hmm. Yes. You can call me anytime, honey, if yep. you ever feel oh, thank you. nervous or bad. But just last last thing about that. I don't want people listening to this to get, like, discouraged or something. Like, if anything, look at the – and not to suck my own dick, but, like, look at the things I've done and just know that that is being produced by someone with severe anxiety. So you can live with severe anxiety and still be high functioning. Good. So that's that's kind of what I want to leave. The br- leave with I you. mean, the brain is a very complex thing. We don't really understand it. Yeah. We don't understand. But I I think the world we live in. How can it not make you? How can you not be anxious mm. a little bit? Mm-hmm. And being a a young man in this world who wants to make a difference i mean mm-hmm. it, blessings to you thank you anybody who needs a commercial done <laughs> call nico he is 100 percent profesh <laughs> um let's talk about uh n- the new york and new york nico mm. you are from i'm from union square you're from union square park mm-hmm the third tree on the left of the of the middle bench on 15th Street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no, actually, really, what street? Uh, 16th Street between 5th and 6th Avenue. Damn, you really are from Union Square. Yeah, not really. I mean, it's technically Chelsea, I guess. Yeah, but I've never, I guess, I've never but referred no. to where I'm from as Chelsea. I don't know. 5th Avenue is not Chelsea. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? 6th Avenue. 6th Avenue is right? technically, yeah, I think. So I think, yeah. It's just easier to say Union Square. You're like lower midtown west. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I was I was born and raised there. Um, my parents were there up until like three years ago, and then they moved because now where they were they living. Live? Well, they were they were living in a rent controlled brownstone, so that's where I grew up mm. in a beautiful rent controlled brownstone. They're paying like. $1,200 a month or something. Back when New York was for middle class yeah, fams. Yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. But then the landlord passed away. Someone else bought the building. And they're and like, they're let me get into these condos. people out. Yeah, right, right. so it would have made their life a living hell. So they moved. Um, now they're living. They got paid out. They did get paid yes, out. Yes, yeah. blessings. Yeah. Yeah, um, I love those, those OG New Yorkers yes. that are getting paid. Exactly. 
but yeah, so that's that's where I grew up. Union Square was my backyard. Okay. And were you a la- like, what age could you start sort of uh, wandering around Manhattan by yourself? Because um, this is a different time. Yeah, you- totally. I mean, 16, does that sound right? How? What grade would I be, have been? I think uh, 10th I, grade? Oh, no. So then it's probably 8th grade. 8th grade, yeah, right? Like 13. Right after 9-11 for me. I feel like they wanted to allow me to to do my own thing when I was in like seventh grade, but then nine eleven happened. So then I think they were right. Like, Everybody like we'll pulled pull back pulled, on that. Right, right. We want them close to us for at least another year. So I talk about nine eleven a lot on yeah, this podcast because um, it was such an experience, especially for like died in the wall New Yorkers. Where were you nine eleven? I was uh, in school at Little Red Schoolhouse. Wow. Um, I was in seventh grade. Uh, Little Red Schoolhouse, for those who don't know, is um, the sc- the Bleaker. school that all the cool kids go to in the West Village. <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah, um, it's on Bleecker Street. I only all my interns go to Little Red Schoolhouse. Really? Yeah, you will oh, not no be way. because that's what you know. Huh? Interesting. Okay, I don't care what college you went to. I want to know <laughs> that you're freaking your elementary school. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, so we were like a mile away from from the Twin Towers. So I remember I was I was with a learning specialist because I was seeing a learning specialist at the time. It's actually funny. She was a specialist who was meant to correct the way I write because I you held the pencil. I held a pencil like like an idiot. I still do hold it like an idiot. Mm. Um, But yeah, I went to see a specialist to try to like fix that. Um, Did you have that like rubber um, triangle? Of course, which I never see anymore. I guess I'm not in elementary I get, school. I, yeah, I bought one for my kid because oh, he was real? like he was holding the pencil in a crazy way. Oh, and wow. We were like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I'll have to, I'll have to get you one for, uh, for Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we had to cut the session early. Wasn't sure what was going on. She brought me back to my homeroom, and the kids were just like going nuts, like laughing. Like I remember there was one kid who was like simulating the pl- like with his hand simulating the plane going into the tower. There was another kid who's my best friend, whose dad worked in the twin towers, and he was like laughing and running around like a crazy person. So then, yeah, it was I was informed of what happened, but we didn't. Did I, they keep you in school the whole day? No, no, no. So. I, they informed us and because you that must have just been like it was. It happened at eight yeah, yeah. something in the morning, yeah, yeah. right? And okay. it, it was right when school, like two days after school started, or okay. something like that. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even think about it in terms like that. Um, so yeah, they told us that our parents were coming. They, I think they just told us that that planes flew into the twin towers, and I up until like the next day, I thought it was just like an accident, like that two two planes flew into the World Trade Center right, accidentally. They, right. And I also had never really heard of terrorism prior to that, okay. so I didn't know. I didn't know that that was like a thing that could happen. Sure. And yeah, and then you know the 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 next few weeks was just like kind of living in in fear, thinking that it might happen again. My my dad worked at the New York Times at the time, mm-hmm. so I was really worried that that something would happen there. So I was scared for him. Um, my mom worked right next to that Empire State Building, so I was worried about her. I remember. At, for at least two years, every time I saw like a, a low flying plane, I would get freaked out. Do you um, think that your yes. anxiety? So that's what. So yes, full circle. <laughs> okay, that's what my therapist blames it on. I absolutely one hundred percent agree. It happened because around the same time. 
it in that developmental time yeah. in in a child's you know upward trajectory yeah. of like that is a quintessential time of brain development yeah. and being so young and not being able to sort of contextualize like what terrorism was what happened i remember i mean i was uh God, it's eight, it'll be 18 years next year, right? Um, my father died a week before 9-11. Oh, God. Yeah, it was crazy. And I had sat shiver with my pregnant sister. My father got diagnosed with cancer and then died like six months later. Like, boom. And a, a weird tidbit, my dad re- was retired, but every Tuesday he would go to the Twin Towers and work for... Blue Cross Blue Shield as he was a a dentist and then he was deciding whether things would be uh, covered by insurance. Mm. And because he was just such a good guy, he'd be like, yes, insurance. Yes. Yeah. He said, I would just click off. Yes, yes, yes. This should be covered under insurance. So if he was alive, it was a Tuesday. He would have been at the it's it was it was a crazy, crazy time. Anyway, I had come back from sitting shiver at my mother's in Long Island with my pregnant sister that morning at six in the morning. And I remember I had a styling job and they had held up the production on the commercial waiting for me to be able to work. And my sister called me on the phone and I was like, bitch, I fucking just been with you 24 hours a day for the last seven days at our mother's house. Why are you calling me Mm -hmm. at 8 in the morning? Mm -hmm. I just dropped you off. And she goes, Claudia, I just saw a plane hit the Twin Towers. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about because I have to do this job. I have to go to Century 21. I got to go to, like, I got to get off the phone. I got to start shopping. And she was like, you're not going anywhere, honey. Turn on the television. And I was like, what? I just thought for... The next few months that I was just going to die. Like, I just was like, Mm. I'm just going to die in some random act of violence. Mm. Like, I'm going to be on the subway. It's just going to explode. I'm going to be walking down the street. Like, boom. Like, it's on. Like, we're, I'm just going to die. And it was really a crazy experience for people that were actually here. And I remember after that, I called my friend. I was like, yo. And she's like, come to my place. We can see the Twin Towers from my roof. And I went... To my friend's house on uh, 2nd Avenue and 5th Street, and we watched the second plane, like, go. It was just crazy. And I just remember just feeling nothing, like, just being like, okay, I just sort of have to be calm because I'm going to die. So I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a child who really can't control their surroundings and being sort of a victim of, of all that. Totally. You ever think about doing a movie about it? I, yeah, every year I do. And after speaking with you right now, I feel like I really got to do it. Because just like a talking head interview movie, honestly, just like interviewing people who... Because it's funny. I always I, think like I should just do a podcast yeah, yeah. just on 9-11. Right, right, Like right. just 9-11 stories yeah, yeah, yeah. and like... No, because I, 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 I've thought about this for like the past five years or so, like ever since I started getting into documentaries. I thought it would be interesting to interview people around my age mm-hmm. um, because it it really was not, not to uh, discredit anyone else, but I feel like that age in particular was especially crazy. 
Um, you I know, agree. Like being I mean, a I, seventh I, grader, it, it just felt so surreal. Like it felt like we were living like the world wasn't real. Like the fact that that could just happen, and I f- honestly like I think it's it's a go to uh, for New York City therapists to tell their patients that all their problems are because of nine eleven. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because, but I, but I do it, think. No, it's it's accurate. I'm just saying. You know, it, it's weird. The new New York doesn't know that that feeling and sort of remember how the city was for like a few years after it was sort of like this like empty quiet sort of sad place Um, it was sad but i feel like the the year two three years after 9-11 you saw a lot of love in the city or at least i did i felt like people were i did i remember something really weird so at the time i was uh amassing my uh my vintage uh mm-hmm. you know treasure trove that i now have in my store yeah. on delancey uh i was buying tons and tons of stuff off of ebay and all of a sudden everyone that i was buying stuff on ebay was returning my money and saying like oh you're up shipping this to new york city like you can just have this my love and we're sending you some some you know uh other stuff because we, you know, like yeah. all these people, like these weird eBay women, mostly, they felt so bad and they were being so like generous. They're like, you, I returned your money. Mm-hmm. You just have mm-hmm. it. You you need something. You're in New York. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So there was sort of this uh, like stick togetherness mm-hmm. that was going on here. But then after that, when sort of uh, Bloomberg came in and was like, we need money let's just start taxing everybody and bringing on all these like big giant uh corporations and selling off all our real estate to china you know obviously we live in a very different new york now Mm -hmm. you still love new york though i still do yeah and you still think new york is the most amazing and colorful city i do i do it bums me out when when people say oh new york's turned to shit because I don't think it has. I think that there are definitely a lot of things um, that have impacted New York negatively. But I still think it's the best city in the world. You know what happened to New York? New York became this place that is just so pivotal to young people, both men and women, in their sort of trajectory into adulthood. That it's this place they come... They spend a few years. I gotta live in New York. Yeah. I gotta do. I gotta do this right, mm-hmm. and then they leave. Yeah. So there's this sort of taking and not giving. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that that's what I feel, or that's what I see. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things that bothers me. But I they're still not lifers, think the right? They're not out. like they no, they don't totally, really care. Totally. They're just like what what affects me. Yeah. The other thing is, is corporations mm-hmm. never came here because they couldn't fucking handle right, it. Like, this is fucking New York. Yep. Now we got Stay away, Amazon right, right. And, and yeah. now it's sort of revenge of the nerds. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, I get you. it. That stuff sucks. It sucks. But and still, the, the good ex- outweighs the bad. The expensiveness. They they tax you coming and going. They It's just. I get it. You know, Manhattan, they say, is, you know, the largest gated community. <laughs> yep. In the country, because you used to, you know, we all moved downtown because it was cheap. Yeah. I lived in the East Village because it was cheap. Mm-hmm. Chinatown, cheap. Yeah. And now that's not the case. There's nothing sort of 
that is welcoming to young people that aren't part of the corporate machine. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. uh, That's what's killing us is Mm -hmm. that, you know, the freaks and geeks and the, you know, there's the nightclubs are gone. Mm -hmm. The, you know, all the cool people that worked in nightlife. Mm -hmm. There's, they're few and far between. Mm -hmm. And and that to me made New York City. Mm this special, unique place that that's sort of dying. But I do agree with you. New York is the best city in the world. It is. And we still have a lot of those great places that, you, that you're talking about, you know? Well, you... Astor, Astor Place hairstylist. I was going to say, like, like, blessings to you because you really, like, you just dismantled my whole attitude about mm-hmm. it because I'm like, oh, damn, he's right. Yeah, like, no, it's it's true. And... Oh, man. You know what really – this is kind of going on a tangent, but not really. Something that really fucking pisses me off. So are you familiar with Miss Columbia? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. R.I.P. So Miss Columbia was this amazing, amazing Colombian woman who lived in Queens and would go to all of these parades and celebrations dressed Miss Columbia was like with, the Easter bonnet. Yes. Like – Princess Just of, Google, of life. Just Google Miss Columbia uh, Jackson Heights, Queens. But and always with the dog, right? Yes, always yes. with a dog okay, and okay. a parrot. Yeah. Um, and she was just fabulous. Like, you know, made everyone smile. Just a great, great person. So going back to that Know Your City series that I was telling you about, uh-huh. I did a, a documentary on Miss Columbia because I just saw her as this incredible street character. So when I made that film, I pitched it to like every New York blog I could think of. No one posted it. Huh. Then the second she dies, she passed away a few months ago, all those blogs reached out to me asking for the video. Oh. And it's just such a bummer that you don't appreciate these people and when places they're while they're around. But then the second they, they, they die or like an establishment gets closed down, these same blogs are like, oh, man, like New York's turned into shit, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we'll fucking celebrate them while they're, while they're here. You know, celebrate Astor Place while it's here. Celebrate the Panini Shop while it's here. You know, cel- celebrate Larry the Birdman while he's here. You know, don't wait until they're gone. It's true. but It's that's... so fucking annoying, man. And I want to... People c- can't see what's right in front of them. Mm. You know, there's sort of a, a tone deafness to great things or, uh, like, being able to, like, accept things... That you have access to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I really, like, appreciate you for sh- always shining the light on, on these people, always giving them a voice and visuals, because you're a filmmaker, um, and keeping the new in New York. What do you tell these blogs? Like, fuck off? You can't have it now? No, I mean, I'm going to give it to them because I want... <laughs> You're like, too late, sorry. You know, like, I just had a phone call with New York Times because they wanted to do a, p- a whole piece on Miss Columbia. Okay. You know, I wish you would have celebrated her while she was alive. They're Maybe so they late. did. Maybe They're they so just... damn late. Yeah, but but of course I'm going to give them that that footage. Like, I want her life to be celebrated, but I'm just saying, like, you know, while all these people are complaining about New York and how it's changing now, why don't you, you know... Embrace right, what we still right, have, right? Instead of just waiting until it's gone. 
has there been people that have like turned you down and said like no i don't want you to film me no i don't no because you're such a little little gem <laughs> who could say no, no to I'm, you well because usually it it starts um kind of organically you know like if it's a, a street performer yeah or you're like who's this creep i see every uh every day <laughs> just sitting here watching me but yeah no i mean before i do something like more substantial i need to like build a relationship like mm-hmm. it's not going to be worth my time or their time um if i don't you know know them if i can't you know if i don't like them if they don't like me mm-hmm. you know tiger hood is one of my favorite street characters turned friend mm-hmm. you know i've just been documenting him um for the past three years and i i recently just shot like a proper documentary on him great we're cutting that now and um you know, that's kind of like the next step for me is to, you know, keep doing the Instagram thing. But so how can people find your films? On my website, hellerfilms.com. Can you watch the uh, the full film? Yeah, yeah. Bless. Well, right, as of right now, so this year it's my plan to do like four to six short films, short documentary films similar to the Big Mike Take Lunch film that mm-hmm. I just released. I don't know if you saw that. I did see it. It's amazing. Thank you. So, okay. So, he's such a good painter. I oh, really love amazing. it. He's amazing. Yeah, he's so amazing. So doing these these passion projects, documentary passion projects, is always something that I put off because I generally don't like putting a lot of time into a film if I'm not getting paid for it. Yeah, well, um, it's you got to live. Right, exactly. Right. So... This, you know, a few months ago, I was just like, you know what, fuck that. Like, I have the time. It's not going to, you know, I can put a, a crew together for free. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. It's it's going to be a great thing. I'm going to do this. So we shot the film and it got crazy press. And, you know, everyone everyone wrote about it, which was great because I, I was, this was around the time of the Miss Columbia thing. And mm-hmm. I was really hating on just media in general. <laughs> it was the worst. Yeah. But um, and then we uh, we had this amazing premiere for the film at Astor Place Barbershop. So the film, for those who don't know, is about Big Mike, um, who's been the manager at Astor Place Hair Salon for 40 years. I stumbled upon Big Mike on his lunch break uh, painting in in the storage area. So what did they say? Like, oh, he's down there. Go down there. And no, I wasn't even looking for him because we weren't friends at the time. Uh Because I always saw him as like kind of the grumpy guy at the front who tells you which barber to go to. So I was never friends with him. But I've been going to Astor Place since I was like 10. So I knew him. Right. My husband, too. Yeah. So um, no, I went, went. I went to use the restroom mm-hmm. and on my way to the restroom, I poked my head into the storage area and saw Mike painting like a, a Van Gogh inspired biggie. And I was just like, holy shit, this is awesome. So we started talking and then from that we became friends. Um, and I would check in on him like every couple weeks, see his progress because he had told me that for 45 minutes every day he was on his lunch break, he was going to paint. So I would check in on him. A few months ago, I was just like, yo, Mike, like, it's time for me to make a documentary on you. He's like, all right, come through. So we shot it, cut it together. It, it was the prou- my proudest thing I've ever done. Um, and, you know, it got all this press. We had a, a screening at Astor Place mm-hmm. um, along with his first art show ever. Pix11 News came and covered it. De Blasio showed up. Yeah, I was going to say, De- the mayor came. Which was insane. Um you know, say what you want about de Blasio, but he came to I mean, my screening I mean, that's kind and of, supported kind of a Big, big Mike. 
and New York characters in general. Exactly. No, he showed he showed crazy love. Um, so I'm very appreciative for that. Um, and, and that, and only that. Yes. So anyway, I was super happy with everything that happened um, with with the film. So I was like, I got to keep keep making these. You know, there's no excuse. You know, Mike's whole message was: if you don't have time, you make time. Don't use excuses. You always have enough time. Okay. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna make time, make these these passion project films, and just keep it going. And so yeah, so we just shot uh, Tiger Hood's film. Um, we're we're done with with all the filming. We're editing it now, and we're gonna have a special event surrounding that as well. So that sounds great. Yeah, that'll be really cool. Do you ever notice that your work is very male focused? I do. Why do you think that is? Honestly, um, it's not intentional. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've been accused of being uh, sexist. Really? Yeah, because I my primary primary focus are on male characters, um, and it's not a conscious thing. You know, I love. Do you think there's not enough? Women, in well, so, uh, it, my, women are very vulnerable as street sure. performers. My my first excuse, because I've been accused of this uh, for years. Um, well, I just want you to know, everyone no, no. everyone complains that everyone's a fucking critic. No, so, for sure. you know, just whatever. For sure. Um, and, and my excuse then was that there aren't a lot of female street characters mm-hmm. um, and that's what my focus was now it's more about just like New York characters in general so I don't really have that excuse I never want this to be intentionally like need it to be diverse you know like okay. I, I just need it to happen naturally like I don't okay, want to be right. like so oh you're I, don't, not, I, don't, right. I don't focus on any Indian people I need to go to, to Jackson Heights okay. and do an Indian person you know I want this to be organic I want it to be the people things that who, pique your interest totally the, the people, and that's right. and I, I, I mean, I don't even feel like I need to say this, but I, I love everyone. I love women. I know you do. Um, my favorite people are women. I know. You're one of my favorite people. Um, and you love your mommy. Yeah, of course. My girlfriend, Your Naomi. girlfriend. But I'll tell you something, just as your friend. Yeah. As a fan. Please. What if I was to internalize that? Mm. Like, oh, okay, well, I've been a subject yeah. of your you know, your filmmaking, yeah, which, and I feel really, you know, grateful. Yeah. Thank you for thinking of me. But, you know, why aren't there more women? Why? Yeah. You know, you can, as a as a young woman, that can make you feel bad. Totally. I don't want to. And I'm not saying it's your bad. responsibility. Yeah. To, it's just, it's so mirrored in our society yeah. that we are not making the moves that matter mm. in a non sort of, you know, if you're like overtly sexual, mm-hmm. like then you get attention. Like, yeah. how can women get attention for yeah. being themselves and being individuals? It's not something that yeah. no, is right. being championed um, by society. Yeah. So, Anyway, no, I'm just, no, I'm mean, just counterpointing. Totally, you. it's not. It's not uh, something that I'm like intentionally avoiding. Like Roz Chast. Okay, is that's what per- I <laughs> is like a perfect example of someone who I'm just obsessed with. She's just. You know, so you this, just made a film on her. I just made a film on her. She's um, yes. Give us a little the, background. One of the longest uh, running cartoonists at the New Yorker, and she's just like classic New York, and I love her, and she's hilarious. 
I mean, like, I honestly, I do, I do, it does uh, distress me that that there aren't a lot of females on my page because I don't want anyone to think that I think females are less talented than males, you know, because I call myself the unofficial talent scout. But it's just like, as a male, I I think I connect with men in in a a, a more organic way. way. In a more organic way or in a way... You know, it, there there are – this is very complex because I think if you are a woman, street performer, you are so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It is so different. Totally. So, yes, you're not really going to, like, put yourself out there for abuse and ridicule and, and you know, and, and in harm's way. But, mm-hmm. you you know, you could actually put yourself in harm's way right. by, you know, causing attention to yourself. But – Yes, I personally would love to see. I would. More I would too. All right, I'm gonna I, write you a list of some. Of I mean, some I'm checks. going to meet up with this 90 year old woman who does needlepoint um, prints. Ooh, she's on the Upper West Side, and my my friend Harry uh, told me about her, and I I really want to go meet her. So I'm going to meet her and see if there's a film there. I know there's some like crazy old ladies that are like feeding cats in the park, and that are like. <sighs> Just have to find them. Yeah. You know, a little unsung heroines totally. around town. Because, right, didn't they used to say like 8 million naked stories sure. in, you know, in New York City at yeah, any given moment or whatever, even I would, more. I would love I would love uh, more female connections. It's a sausage fest on, on the New York Nico page, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you miss making music videos? No. If somebody wanted you to make a music video, would you say no? Yeah, I've I've been asked hundreds of times. Oh, I since, love that. Since uh, I stopped doing them, no, it's just uh, I I felt more of like a glorified babysitter than anything else because you really it's really about like managing the the talents uh, expectations. And nowadays, like when you watch a music video, most of them are directed by the the artist right which i know means they hired a director and then the right and then they're like but i'm not i'm not like i'm just going to give you this money but yeah. you're, i'm taking all the credit exactly. and make sure that the the smoke from my yep. blunt is going really yep. slowly around my face yep. but yeah <laughs> it works though that works totally. you know you're like ooh it's so mysterious with yeah. the smoke no but the the music <laughs> videos it was fun while it lasted but it just wasn't worth the the energy so if you could, like, close your eyes and you could do your life over again, if you couldn't make film, like, what would you want to do? If I couldn't make films? If you couldn't make films. I mean, I asked myself that when I was living in L.A. because I thought I wasn't going to be able to make a living doing that. So I was I was legitimately trying to weigh my options and, and figure out what I could do. And I couldn't come up with anything. I really can't do anything else. I can't drive. Okay. I'm, I'm, I have really bad attention span. I'm terrible with numbers. If I worked in an office, I would get too antsy. Okay. I don't know. I just, I really couldn't do anything. I mean, I feel like may, maybe I could be like some sort of a creative director, social media manager. Although You're I funny would, though. You could write. You could. No, you, I you can't, know what I can't write. Uh, I don't have the patience for Are it. You, don't you write treatments before you're... I, yeah, but I hate it. I and mean, I, God, And also it doesn't take that much time, you know? Really? Well, it it it, it depends. And I'm also working with other people and it's... But it's not... No, I, 
I, I couldn't do anything else. And I don't know. I don't agree with that. Maybe I'd, I'd piggyback off of one of my friends. My friend Fallside has a really cool vintage uh, line called Fantasy Explosion that I would probably I don't know anything about of. this. Oh, really? What planet am I no, on? No, you bought something from him. I bought his um, MTA t-shirt. It's the best. Yeah, well, he does that through Fantasy Explosion, which is like New York-centric vintage. Ooh, I love that. It's amazing. He does such a great job curating it. But I'm I'm very jealous of that. So maybe if he'd let me, I would like work for him or something. I don't okay. Know. Or I would work for Claw. I t- you could totally be my intern anytime. Don't <laughs> you worry. Amazing. If this doesn't work out, yeah. you went to Little Red School. Yeah. So yeah. Right, you're in. <laughs> I qualify. <laughs> what do you think 2019 is going to be about for New York Nico? For New York Nico or for Nicholas Heller? For, for okay, first we'll start with New York Nico, then we'll go to Nicholas Heller, and and then we'll just talk to our homeboy Nick yeah. because there's a, there's a few there's different – There's a few, yeah. I mean, for me too. Yeah. I have um, – New York Nico, I mean, it's always been the same every year. It's just – it's keep, keep doing what I'm doing. Try not to add any pressure to it. Um, I don't set any goals. It's it, it, the page has always been for fun, mm-hmm. so just continue kind of doing what I'm doing. You know, if if I had plans to like monetize it, I would have done it years ago. Sure, I heard the there's a uh, that that's going away. Is the, it in the influencer thing? Yeah, oh, I hope they so. want to stop. It, it it's very cringy. It's horrible. Um, and then for Nicholas Heller, uh, Heller Films. You know, keep keep doing the commercials to stay afloat and then uh, continue doing those passion projects. You know, I really want to do like four or five short films and then eventually a feature, you know, but I don't want to rush that. I want it to be the right story. And then Nick, Nick's just got to, I'm, I'm going to more proactively work on the anxiety thing. Okay. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I see a therapist once a month, mm-hmm. but I don't really like work on it on my own. And that's something that I think I need to do. Don't you think that maybe once a month is not enough? Yeah, it's probably not enough. Especially if it's creeping back up? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, therapists aren't cheap. No, they're not cheap. Um, but, yeah, I, I, need to, I need to swallow my pride. I feel like talking about it publicly, mm-hmm. like I have today, Potential. I don't know how many people listen to this, but potentially millions, <laughs> zillions. Like, um, it's the but no, it's podcast. something that like, I. It's I, right under Joe. It's Rogan. something that I, you know, I, I don't normally like push appearances of mine, but I feel like it is important for especially on a to day know. that yeah. right on a day that uh, it afflicted yeah. uh, your mood. Yeah, but I feel like talking about it more is probably healthy. You know, like it's, it's been a, a secret for too long. Right. You know. That sounds like I have a crazy secret. Like, I mean, I but feel I don't. Like you know, it's anxiety. Try, ever, right. You know? If you try to hide anything, it becomes uh, bigger than yeah. what it is. And when you're sort of honest with yourself yeah. about it, and you uh, take the power and away from it, yeah. and the um, the shame, mm. you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. No, you're right. Um, and I thought maybe bringing it up to you, I would be ashamed, but I, I didn't feel ashamed. But maybe that's just you, and you're just a, a great person. I'll take so, it. So <laughs> no, that's where you say, no, you never have to feel ashamed. You never have to feel ashamed, and I am a great person. But um, I'm only a great person because 
I want to be mm. and I try and I am a fallible human that has lots of issues of her own mm. and I don't want to judge and everyone you should be like me okay mm. be, yeah. be like law facts <laughs> it's true Tell me about your podcast. I did your podcast. What's you your podcast I'm on, about? I'm, oh, come on. I'm on a hiatus right now. Are you on a hiatus? I'm sorry. I'm not The podcast, like, I just do it when I want to do it. It's not, you know. It's cute. I'm not, no one's forcing me to do it. <laughs> I, I like it. I want more of it. Okay. Okay. It'll it'll, it'll come back in 2019. Yeah. You're, pro- just you're a busy. Hiatus. You're busy. Yeah, you're course. busy. You're busy. So, yeah. You feeling better? I do. You're going to see the day? It always helps to, to get it out, you know? I'm glad. Be I'm gentle glad with could, yourself. I I know. Be gentle with yourself. Yeah, have compassion. That's what my therapist says. Have compassion for yourself. Yes. Don't just constantly like be beating yourself with a stick of like, got to get up, got it. I think that's the New York ethos. It is. You know, but get up and get moving. What the fuck are you doing? If you're not doing something great, like. Yeah. But at the same time, as painful as it as it can be, sometimes it also has benefited me in, in more ways than I can express just like getting me grinding and working and you know, gotta pushing grind. myself you've got to so, grind it's, you got to work it's that new york hustle and that's why la gave me so much anxiety because people didn't want to grind people just like wanted to chill and have meetings oh that sounds and i so wanted good. to i wanted to work it sounds so good you know i'm sick of grinding it's grinding. exhausting you have to grind out here you are destined for greatness if you're if you're not already there oh i appreciate that no it's true you're one of my one of my faves and uh you're one of my faves and i'm so proud of you and and the work you do and anything i could do to help you know i'm here for you my my dear and you can call me i know keep sending me pictures of palms (laughs) and all that stuff (laughs) yo your your meme yesterday the uh the one with jr smith crying oh it's so good it killed me Word up, son. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, memes are life. To find out more about New York Nico, go on Instagram and put it in. It's the full N-E-W-Y-O-R-K Nico. Though he does not go by Nico in the streets. If you see him, he's Nick Heller. (laughs) And say hello. Thank you so much for Gross, joining thank us. Thank you, Claude. Okay, I hope your day is, is great. Thanks. <laughs> wow. Nick, thank you for being so honest. Thank you for coming in here and being uncomfortable and working through it. Thank you for normalizing mental health issues. Because it's fucking normal for people to not feel normal. Okay? Get it together, people. Thank you for shining your light and your love on people that are not considered normal and making them normal in our eyes. I really appreciate you, Nick Heller. And I love your films. And I love you. And I love that you wanted to talk about this with me. Find New York Nico at New York Nico on Instagram. Find me on Instagram, Claw Money. Twitter, Claw Money. Facebook, Claw Money. Oh my God, find us 
on Instagram at Claw & Co. I'm at 101 Delancey Street in New York City, people. Come on. I'd like to thank my producer, Jose Alfaro. I'd like to thank Bubbles NYC for the beats, yo. And, of course, Nick Heller. Thank you for being you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave us comments. Let us know what you want to hear. Hopefully, they will be positive. That's all we want. Love and positivity, folks. 2019. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.